Welcome back to the Santa Cruz Baptist Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since we've posted one of these. We are excited to be back in the seat again, and we have a special guest with us today. Um, I am Drew Cunningham, pastor of Santa Cruz Baptist, and I have with me here today... Dustin Howell. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, this is the first time we've ever had a, a special guest uh, other than, than Tyler and I, and so it's good to have you. You, um, not this last Sunday, but the Sunday before, um, preached one of your, your first sermons ever, and, and so um, I just have to say I was so encouraged by the truth you shared, and I was really encouraging, um, no pun intended, because um, that was the topic of your sermon, but it was really encouraging to me, and I hope it was encouraging to everyone else. So why don't you just tell us a little bit of what you preached on, what text, and um, what's the overview of, of, of that text that you preached? Yeah, sure. So first of all, that sermon was supposed to be on, what was it, December 27? Something like that, yeah. Right? And I, I, think, I remember you worded it, having me preach. You're like, don't worry, it's the most least attended Sunday <laughs> for your first sermon here. So yeah, you got that. And then, of course, that week didn't work out. We did it the January 3rd, which, yeah, kind of worked out in God's providence. But um, yeah, it was a sermon on Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Um, and that is just one of the, you know, greatest texts in all of the Bible, I think, for a lot of people, and uh, for me particularly, and I, I prefaced the sermon on that. And, um, you know, what I tried to hit on in that sermon was uh, three main points of people who follow Christ um, should be encouraged, and that was one of Paul's major points and themes throughout all of Philippians, mm-hmm. is like wanting the church, in spite of going through difficulties and hardships, uh, to be a people that maintained hope. Um, but how did they do that? Um, he goes through, after you know calling them to be encouraged, just these like imperatives of how they should be living, and then followed with the hymn of Christ. And the hymn of Christ is just that beautiful section of how Jesus gives us this perfect example. So going through that text, you know, being encouraged uh, was, was the main kind of theme. But within that, what I was really wanting people to, to, um, to kind of hear and see through it was, you know, we need to be transformed, and we also need to keep our eyes fixed and gazed at Jesus, who gives us just a perfect example of mm-hmm. how to do that correctly. And the more we realize how good Jesus is, and the more we keep our gaze focused at that, the more we can like kind of maintain that posture of hope. And um, some of the little tidbits within there that I kind of tried to hammer on for a while was to, to maintain that sort of posture of staying in an encouraged church. We do that by having Christian unity. And mm-hmm. that's a, a bit of the bulk of um, some of those imperatives he gives is we have to be around other believers to do that. So that's kind of an overview, uh, a little bit all over the place with that overview. But um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so I should have mentioned this earlier. Um, uh, Dustin is one of our elders here at Santa Cruz Baptist, and so it was a a joy to have him preach um, in general, but specifically to preach this text, because I I think it's something that I've really seen him live out, that he is an encourager um, and encourages others. And so one one thing that I would love to to key in on 
Um, you mentioned in, in your sermon that we actually need community to do this, um, to in, be an encouragement, um, you know, and, and you said something along the lines that that happens most often outside of, of the Sunday gathering. So can you kind of flesh out for us if someone out there is wondering, okay, yeah, I'm tracking with you. We need community to encourage one another. We, we don't, we're not an encouragement just on a deserted island by ourselves. So what is, what does that even look like practically for someone to be involved in community and to be an encouragement? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the, um, the, the big parts of what in, influenced me to write a bit of this sermon was doing that over the last year. And the way that's looked for me is within our missional community. Um, and if you haven't, if you're new to this podcast or our church, your missional community is just a gathering that we have among our church. And uh, we meet biweekly in like kind of a larger group setting. And in the other weeks, we meet in smaller groups called DNA groups, mm-hmm. um, missional community. And ours specifically, we go over our, you know, the sermon that was preached on the previous Sunday, and then we look forward to the next one. Um, we meet m- once a me- week over a meal. We hang out. We all, um, you know, not everyone makes it every week, but we have kind of committed over the last year to to make that part of our, our regular um, practice. And as I've done that over the last year with um, a, a bunch of different people from our church, um, man, I've just seen so much fruit of talking about these themes of scripture, reiterating what we're learning on Sunday, um, going through real life together and trying to remind ourselves of truth. Like mm-hmm. it bears fruit in each other's lives. And um, so within the mission community, we do that all uh, kind of like large group setting. Um, but then we have DNA groups, which are kind of like a smaller subgroup of that. Actually, we'll be having one tonight. And just a few of us guys will sit there and we'll um, hash it out into more intimate details. And it's all centered around like, how can we keep our lives focused on Christ and mm-hmm. uh, be encouraging each other in our walks to, to maintain that posture of hope, which was a theme of my message. But yeah, yeah. so I, I think. You know, one thing that I'm hearing you say that to encourage someone, you actually have to know what's going on in their life. So if I, um, let's say, don't know someone, I've never met them before, it's going to be really hard for me to encourage them. Um, whereas if I have been in a missional community or a DNA group with someone, I'm sharing life with them. I know what's going on in their life. They know what's going on in my life. Um, I am able to see fruit um, I'm able to see Christ in them and yeah. therefore encourage them in what I'm seeing and what yeah. I know is going on. Um, I'm able to know when they're discouraged and therefore encourage them yeah. in the truths of Christ. Um, and so I, I think your point that that we need community to actually do this well um, is, is really important. And so whether you're part of our church um, or another church, whatever that looks like, like it's really important that we are known by others and that we know others and and what's going on. And so for us, yeah, like you said, I think missional communities and DNA groups are really where that happens most often. Yeah. Um, So really good stuff there. Um, One question that we always ask on the podcast is, you know, as we prepare sermons, there's always a lot of things that don't make it into the sermon or end up on what we call the cutting room floor. Um, You know, there's always 
whole sermons that could be preached on maybe even one point <laughs> that, that we've given, but we, we just have to leave out for, for one reason or another. What this week, if anything, did you have to leave out of the sermon or just things that you would have liked to have spent more time on? Sure. Uh, well, I'll mention two. So <laughs> one of my early points where I was talking about not loving yourself um, I kind of, I, I love drawing a contrast, like just the, the juxtapositions of how the world lives and how we're called to live. And mm-hmm. I, I mentioned very quickly in the sermon on Maslow's, Maslow's uh, hierarchy, hierarchy of needs. needs. Yeah. 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 So for people who aren't aware of that, I didn't really dive into that very long, but I actually had intended to. Um, and reason being like just within my schooling and a bit of training like it's actually a, a was a, a big driver of like approaching caring for people that's what I do I'm yeah so a, for, I'm a critical care yeah, nurse tell us you what, what you do for those who don't know yeah so I'm a critical care nurse um taking care of sick people after heart surgeries after terrible things that happen to them and uh focusing on you know how we can get them better and um you know often more often than not you're not only caring for the patient but you're caring for families and you're jumping into just these really complex environments jumping in on how can I make this person better? And mm-hmm. so getting trained in that, I remember going through Maslow's hierarchy of needs where, um, you know, if, if you can sit in there, imagine this, there's a, a pyramid and at the bottom of the pyramid is your basic physiological needs. There is, as you're going up, there's safety, then there's love, then there's esteem. Then at the top, if you can reach the top of this pyramid, then you're reaching what, Maslow's would say is, uh, you know, um, self-actualization or being able to realize your f- full potential in living. And what the theory suggests is that you have to meet lower levels before you can get to the top. Mm-hmm. So you need food and water and you need all this before you can get to the next and the next. And um, certainly, I mean, that I, I'm not I don't I don't bring this up to. um you know, negate any truth in that. Like you do need to meet all those basic needs and people, but the contrast, like the way Jesus spoke was just such the opposite. I mean, wh- what did he say in John? I think it's like four, like 435. My will is to do, or no, I'm sorry. My bread is to do the will of the father. Mm-hmm. So like he basically equates like food for him. The most basic fundamental need for him was to do God's will. Mm-hmm. And, um, likewise, I mean, even thinking, I, what I probably would have brought up too a little bit is going back since you guys had just taught through Mark. Um, you know, he, he feeds the the five thousand, he feeds the four thousand, and then afterward, there's this really funny scene where the uh, disciples are still hung up on the bread. Mm-hmm. They're like in the boat, and they're like who forgot the bread, right? <laughs> and it's like this like silly moment, and Jesus is like, "What are you? You're still talking about <laughs> bread? Like, don't you get it? Don't you see like?" There, there, there was a bigger picture I was trying to show to you. And um, I think in John 6, he says it more explicitly where he's like, I am the bread of life. Right. Yeah. Those who come to me will never hunger. Those who believe in me will never thirst. And so Jesus equates himself as our basic core essential needs, which would be at the very bottom of yeah. Maslow's hierarchy, which, you know, the world doesn't, doesn't put that in the equation. But we as Christians just have to wrap our head around that. Yeah, so good. So what what you're saying is to be an encouragement to someone, you actually have to take your eyes off of yourself and to be paying attention to what God's doing in someone else. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And if if we are, the, 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 
adverse of that um, would be that we're so focused on ourselves that we're unable to encourage anyone because we don't see past ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And that would be something, uh, as Christians, um, that's not something we aspire to, to get to the top of, of the needs chart there. Sure. Um, but we'd actually say that's that's sinful when we're focused on ourselves uh, alone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's wild how y- you said that Christ kind of turns that on its head, and yeah. that to truly be obedient to to God's will is to be an encouragement to others. Yeah. One other thing I kind of wanted to add in too, but um, yeah, it, it was it was hard not to go there. The very end of the the hymn of Christ um, that Paul writes, you know, I, I camped for a while on looking at Jesus in his humility and how he just, you know, just showed us the perfect example of of how we ought to to follow and live. Um, I would have loved to actually jump onto the the, the other end of that of his exalted state. You know, mm-hmm. again, another contrast that would have been fun to just kind of look at and. Um, you know, there was a statement I said at the very end that was along the lines of, um, sorry, excuse me for a moment here, trying to remember the exact wordage. It was, we all, to some degree, underestimate how sinful we all really are, mm-hmm. but we also underrealize how amazing a Savior Jesus really is. Right. And so I, I think when we when we flip that, when we do realize how sinful we are and we can grasp that, we also can see just how amazing he really is and how much he truly deserves. And so the, the very end of that hymn of Christ, Jesus gets exalted to this high state where, you know, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. What I would have loved to have done is just take a moment and like jump over to Revelation 7, where we see that actually like pictured out, where mm-hmm. you have, you know, John... At, at this throne room scene, and there's, you know, there's all the, the different tribes, and uh, then there's just this multitude of nations from every tribe, every tongue, every people group, and then you have just around the throne just this really cool picture of all the elders and angels singing and worshiping, and what do they say? They say, salvation belongs to the Lord or to mm-hmm. the Lamb. I, mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact verbiage. And then they all fall on their face and they worship Him. And, you know, you just, you, like painting the picture that it would be, you know, you, you, you look at how amazing Jesus was in his humble state and how much he deserves that and how great it would be and how great it will be to be in that position one day, like falling on our faces, worshiping him because he deserves it. Yeah. And, and I think that's what's so amazing about the text you preached is that guy, the guy you just described, who, you know, multitudes around the throne worshiping him that guy is the guy who lowered himself and in the the text you preached uh you know he goes lower and lower and lower if you notice that first he he comes he empties himself you know and then he obeys he's obedient to the point of death even death how not a normal death, a yeah. death on a cross, yeah. which is even lower than just a normal death. Right. So that's that's the progression in that text is Jesus going lower and lower and lower and lower, more humble. Um, that guy that you just described that will be yep. worshipped, you know, every tribe, tongue, and nation, that guy lowered himself and humbled yeah. himself. And I think that's, yeah. it's just, it's meant to be shocking to us when right. we read it. Like, 
really? Like, that guy humbled himself. Yeah. Well, if that guy humbled himself, how much more am I called to do Exactly. That? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then when he says, you know, every tongue will confess, you're, you're like, we want to be ones that come and do that willingly. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we want our knees to bow because we want to, not because of, you know, we were in a state of rejecting him for our whole lives mm-hmm. and end up, you know, anyway. Well, that's good stuff. So... Um, to close us out with the time we have left, we always like to ask, are there resources that either you found helpful in preparing for this sermon or just around the topic of encouragement? Anything that's been helpful to you over the years? Yeah, sure. So um, one book I recently read that you gave me, um, Gentle and Lowly, that book was just fantastic in um, going over Jesus's attributes and how he lived and how we're to model that sort mm-hmm. of lifestyle, which is what... <laughs> you know, fosters a lifestyle of being encouraged. Um, I also recently just read um, A.W. Tozer's Man, the Dwelling Place of God, and I, I quoted that in the, the sermon. Um, a great quote. That is actually a collection of essays, and there is just so many home runs in that. And one of them, just to just talk on, just for just a brief moment, he um, he speaks on this one chapter on how we don't think about eschatological hopes or future hopes because we're so comfortable in this world. And, you know, we, at, you know, he's actually writing this from the fifties. Like we have more comforts nowadays than, you know, Kings and magistrates did way back in the early centuries. And, mm-hmm. you know, why is it that so many Christians before us, like, emphasized more Christian living where they were like in their word together, where they were like talking about this next season of like, you know, Christ returning, like a better time. They did that because they weren't so comfortable, you mm-hmm. know? And so he, he, he kind of calls us out on that. I'm like, and we have it so well that we have blinders on now to where we don't spend time in, you know, reminding ourselves of truth as often as we need to because we've been so comfortable. And so mm-hmm. having kind of like a hard year, which was kind of the, 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 the beginning of uh, starting off the text, you know, has been a good thing in a sense, just kind of like a reality check of like there is a lot of hard things in this world and we need to keep our gaze on on Christ. Like, But anyway, so man, the dwelling place of God, um, you had a resource too that you yeah, shared so- with me. I didn't actually read it, but... There is a, a book by a guy named Sam Crabtree, and it's called Practicing Affirmation. And so one of the main themes of your sermon was to be encouraged, or be encouraged, um, and then one of your applications was to be encouraging to others as well. And so this book's really helpful. Um, he walks through um, how to not just be flattering, because flattering is not what we're called to do, but we're called to be encouraging to uh, other believers. And so he kind of walks through what it looks like to be encouraging without being flattering. And his main thing is to the, the, that we should be affirming what we see of God in mm-hmm. fellow believers. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, back to what you said earlier, that takes some intentionality of knowing fellow believers, knowing what's going on in their lives, knowing them well enough that you can affirm um, the truth about God that you see in them. And so I, I just wanted to read a really quick um, thing from the foreword of this book. Um, and it says this, it says, If God is sovereign and every good gift is from above, 
then not praising the good in others is a kind of sacrilege and soul sickness. When our mouths are empty of praise for others, it is probably because our hearts are full of love for self. And so that yeah. goes back to what we were yeah, saying yeah, earlier. Yeah. Like you got to actually take your mind off of yourself to actually affirm the truth of God in someone else. Yeah. And the, the point of this book is that in doing so, you're actually glorifying God, um, not that person. Um, you're saying, I see this truth of God, of what God has done in you, yeah, and praise good. God for that. And so yeah. just really helpful, practical book on what it looks like to see godliness in someone and to praise them for it, but, but in doing so, praise God for it. Sure. So th- that's Practicing Affirmation by Sam Crabtree. Um, really helpful, good book. And we will link all of these books in the show notes afterwards. We hope they're helpful to you. And um, with that... We are are done for the day. And so we just want to, again, say thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, If you have questions uh, that you have from either this podcast or the sermon, feel free to mail us at office at santacruzbaptist.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you again soon.